Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I am here joined by the star of this show, KFT. It's a date in October with KFT, episode 362. We're back from Thanksgiving break, took a week off here, but came out guns blazing this week. This is our third show of the week here, uh, following uh, the hot corner with Coach Sal today on a doubleheader Tuesday. I want to thank our fans here. We're getting close to that 60,000 subscriber mark. We appreciate your support. Make sure you give Kelly five stars at the end of this show. Write some nice comments because we do battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like they do in Major League Baseball. To Blackout Coffee, we appreciate your friendship. We are expanding that partnership at the end of this week um, because of a really good showing early on. Uh, but want to thank you guys. Be awake, not woke. Uh, great slogan. Made me laugh, which is why we, we jumped on board initially. But uh, make sure you get at through this week anyway. David, 20, capital D-A-V-I-D, number 20. At checkout, it'll get you 20% off, 15% in perpetuity. And I want to promote a, a book here from our, probably our, our, he's been a guest on the show twice already, maybe three times, uh, but to Ted Kubiak, three-time world champion with the Oakland A's. If you guys are looking for a stocking stuffer this Christmas, old school, uh, he wrote a great book about the evolution of America's pastime, what happened to the game I love. There's a nice forward in there by Tony La Russa too, wonderful book for the stocking stuffer. Also, don't forget how to field a ground ball. It's a, it's a smaller book, smaller manual type, but gets in depth about the proper mechanics of fielding. It's coming out with a children's book, should be out uh, right around Christmas, maybe the new year. But I recommend those two books. Uh, they're on my shelf, should be on every baseball player's shelf there. So I'll put his website in our show notes and, and uh, feel free to explore it, read some of his blogs, and uh, certainly take a look at those two books. So Kelly, welcome back to the show. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Dave, I did. How about yourself? Yeah, really, really good. We got our... My in-laws moved down here uh, for oh, probably two months ago, and then so they're getting settled in. They're loving the warmer uh, holiday time in the in the south. And then my mother comes in right around this time, and she is uh, she leaves tonight. Uh, been here for about ten days now, so great Thanksgiving. It's good for the grandparents to be around the kids, and uh, my in-laws and, and my mom when she comes down, tremendous helps for what we do in our house and, and just, uh, really give us extra parental support with the kids. We love it. That must be great. It's so nice to have, um, family around and also people who help out with the kids who you trust so much. Yep. We become very popular from like right about October all the way through April with all of our family, cause all of our families from the Northeast. So we get really popular around then. And, um, I don't, I don't want to look too deep into it, but I'm gathering it's a little, the warm weather. It's probably not as much as my warm welcoming personality as it is the warm weather that uh, brings them down here. So it's good to have self-awareness, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been accused of far, far worse. So self-awareness is something I'm, I'm getting used to as I, as I passed that 50 mark this past year. So, um, but uh, so with, with your show today now, great, great uh, stuff in store, obviously your, your perspective on baseball uh, enjoyed tremendously by our audience, a unique perspective as opposed to some of our other podcasts, um, give us a different look on the game. But uh, what do you have in store today? Top of the first. Uh, I don't want to go through the whole, I won't go through the whole scheme of it, but let's, let's surprise them. Top of the first, what do you got for us today? 
oh, Dave, you know, we're recording at noon today, and that means that I'm a little bit hangry, and everyone who works for me knows that they don't ask me questions when I'm hangry. So this top of the first, I'm just going to be a little bit crabby here. Um, I'm finished with these columns that speculate based on sources, using air quotes around sources, uh, where Yamamoto's going, where Otani's going, where all these guys are going. I'm tired of it. I've read that Otani's going to each one of the 30 teams so far. Forget about it. Wake me up when he's signed. Yeah, you see it. It's a propaganda machine. I think not only does MLB do it, uh, MLB.com, you also see it with each club. I mean, I've seen something on since the media started ragging on the Yankees. Every day there's something about Soto, but there's nothing of substance in there. There's never a uh, anything definitive. It's what, like you said, it's like what they're hearing. And as a former coach, my, my worst thing was when somebody would come to me with anonymous. Um, and I would just, I, I don't respond to that. I don't read that. I don't respond to it. I don't internalize it. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it gets, it's like day one, it's like, oh, cool. You kind of start thinking, but after a while it gets kind of old. Yeah. And maybe I should be a little more sympathetic to these writers. They need to make a living. And so they have to write about something. So maybe I should be a little bit kinder, but I'm done reading about it and I'm ready. Um, as Elvis said, a little less conversation and a little more action. I guess yeah. that's what I'm saying. No, I agree. And I, I, I think they're not, I, I, the, the, the term writer I use loosely nowadays because they're more about influence and clickbait as opposed to excellence. They're not telling a story. They're not getting down to something deep. They're looking for somebody to click on their, story because that's how they're judged nowadays. They, their editor looks at how many views they got on Facebook and Instagram, and that determines their worth in the company, which is silly. Well, it's true. Back in the days when we read an actual newspaper, nobody knew uh, how many times an article was read. But these days, these guys and gals are measured by very clear metrics, and that is the click. Yeah. You know, the other thing with writers too, and this, this was a big uh, faux pas that people didn't realize, and I'm, I'm surprised they didn't, but some of these writers are not writing their articles. They're having AI do it for them. In fact, I read where there's there's actual profiles of writers that aren't real people. They're just pictures of random people, and these are on reputable sites. Uh, I think Sports Illustrated was was cited as one of them, that they're, they're generating stories just by typing in keywords, and the story's being spit out through AI, and it's not even a real person writing it. I had not heard that. That's yeah. wild. No, it's and I I've heard of people doing that, which I wasn't surprised. I've heard of people doing that on social media. Uh, my wife does real estate. She's talked to me about some uh, people in the real estate world uh, will do an art, do, do like a little blurb every day, and uh, kind of like I do on Facebook with the question of the day. But I actually write it, where they'll write in keywords, and AI will spit out a, a whole story that they've never even written, and they just kind of send it out there. And I guess it saves time, but the. Our word of the day yesterday on coaching Kernan was authenticity, and the guys went off on that with their own perspective on things in the world. So, yeah, the authenticity in, in today's world is certainly few and far between. Yeah. Um, what, what, what about our main segment now? Let's get into that. Our, your main segment that that one was uh, that one had me researching like crazy um, because I think the topic is it's now. Um, so I'll let you kind of dive into that. Thanks, Dave. And I'm really looking forward to your input on this topic. I wanted to talk about expansion of Major League Baseball 
Commissioner Manfred has repeatedly said that baseball is a growth industry and that once the A's and the Rays got their situation settled, we could see two more MLB teams. So, of course, the A's have been approved by MLB owners to go to Vegas and the Rays settled up their stadium situation. So the question is, are we going to get two more new teams and what cities would get those teams? Can they support a club? Can they pay for a club? And it's a big ask when you consider that baseball, unlike many other sports, plays 81 home games a year. So you need bodies in that stadium, unless you're going to get AI generated bodies, Dave, on that topic. You know, maybe you could just get some robots in there. Well, that's how they're trying to develop our players nowadays. So it's probably not too far fetched. Umpires are next. And, but, you know, with the two cities, I, Nashville has been long pushing for a, a team there. They're, they're supported by, and they got permission to use the old Nashville Stars logo, which was a, a Negro League team way back when. I know the Negro League Hall of Fame has supported it. Uh, prior to him taking the Phillies general manager, president job, Dave Dombrowski was their consultant, was the one kind of uh, there as the guy who's been in the know driving the ship. And I believe Dave Stewart, uh, former Oakland A's pitcher, former Toronto Blues A's, former GM as well. I think it was the Diamondbacks um, and his his, uh, wife, Lonnie Murray, who's a sports agent. They have been driving this pretty hard as well. So I think Nashville, um, they started this at least six years ago and they put up all the, the important numbers, uh, the important factors that go around it. Like you talked about the stadium, can they draw? I think they're an in. I, I would guess, put money on it. If there is a city that's going to go first, it's Nashville. I agree with you 100%. They are my first pick. It's a very organized and might I say a very charming endeavor. I went to the Music City Baseball website. That's what they call themselves, Music City Baseball. And they basically have an all-star cast. You mentioned some of the names. Some other ones were Don Mattingly, Bruce Bochy, Mike Schilt, R.A. Dickey. Um, you mentioned a couple, you know, Dave Stewart, Dave Nombrowski, Barry Zito was also listed. And a couple of interesting names that are not in the baseball world. The most fascinating one to me was Alberto Gonzalez, the former attorney general under George W. Bush. And then, of course, it was founded by John Lohr, who's a noted um, sports and commercial real estate executive. So this is a very organized group, and they are hoping to privately fund a new stadium. And one thing I thought was fascinating was they're connecting music and sports. That's how they're marketing themselves. They're saying that it'll increase the fan base. Nashville obviously has a tremendous music history. They're saying if we connect baseball and music, it'll increase the fan base. It'll have a better entertainment value. And it's going to connect us with a younger demographic, which is, of course, what baseball could use. No, I think it's it's genius. I, I John was the one who I spoke with uh, when I, I got put on I think I was on four conference calls where there were Dave was on a couple, Dombrowski, uh, Lonnie was on all of them, and John Lohr, uh, very candid about what they were trying to do. Just asked for my thoughts, my input. Um, you know how I how I could see things growing from a lot of different perspectives, whether it was a coach, former player, um, you know, a potential spectator, 
uh, somebody who knows the industry from a business standpoint. So I was, uh, I, I thought it was neat that I got to be on a few calls with them and this was at the infancy stages. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy that they stuck to it and now they're going to grow. Now, I don't know if major league baseball's landscape, I, they're, they're going to support themselves. Nashville is booming. Uh, that's, it's the industry, the music industry obviously has been around for decades and, uh, you know, for them to connect, it'd be a no brainer. I'm, I'm just wondering who their celebrity owner is going to be. They got to have the country music owner, I would imagine. Right. That would be great. Oh, it makes sense. Shoot. Um, we've seen Dolly Parton, uh, around quite a bit and she may be the one, uh, she's been on, I think three different sporting events in the last week, uh, during the Christmas, the Thanksgiving holiday. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt her. The McGraws are pretty active down that way. Um, so you don't know. I'm sure they'll have people lining up to, to be a part of that. So it's a to me, it's a winner. I just don't know if baseball's major league baseball structure is set up for uh, adding a team. I think the what would you call it? They're, I think Nashville will have success because they'll be personality driven, both the city and the people involved. But uh, major league baseball's business sense is so counterintuitive to what they say out there. What they do and what they say are totally opposite. Well. It is interesting to look at the numbers behind it and the pragmatism behind it. And then also to look at the potential dilution of players, which I'm hoping you have some input on. But on the numbers side of it, we're looking at, for a new franchise, a $2 billion expansion fee per team. So that's based on a comment that Commissioner Manfred made, I think, in 2021. He was looking at about $2 billion per team. So that's a total of $4 billion. That would be a massive cash infusion for MLB owners. But the owners need to decide if it's worth diluting revenues in adding two more clubs. Because right now, the pie is kind of spoken for, for the most part, if you live in this country, you're in some media market already. And so when you add two more teams, to a certain extent, you're cannibalizing yourself because you're taking from one team and giving to another. So you got to think about whether or not the economics work. If you're bringing one of these new teams, you're sponsoring one of these new teams, you got to pay that expansion fee. And you're probably looking at $2 billion for a new stadium. And if you want to make it a ballpark village, which is kind of the new thing, like what the Braves have done with the battery around Truist Park and some other teams are starting to do, you're probably looking at another $2 billion. I'm just throwing that number out, but you're, you're in for this. You're in for the long haul. And when you look at the expansion fees that were paid in 93 by the Rockies and Marlins, they paid $95 million. In expansion fees. In 98, the D backs and the D rays paid 130 million. So look at that acceleration in the franchise fees to $2 billion a team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really the way Major League Baseball sets up the franchise structure. It's, it's a lot more money, uh, but it'd be like a regular person trying to get a Chick fil A franchise. You've got you have all these expenses you got to put out and you just want to make sure that each individual organization has the money, has the personnel, um, has the appropriate split in major league baseball. They, they make their money on everything, but, and they do jack up the ticket prices, but they make it on their TV deals, which some of them have fallen apart this year. 
Uh, they make it on all their merchandise. Um, you know, the minor league system used to be, uh, you know, kind of mom and pop. It was owned by somebody and it was affiliated with an organization. But now there's a 50-50 split with MLB and minor league baseball where major league baseball will market it. That's their trade off. And then they'll have a 50-50 split on revenue now, which is different than the past. That's, that's a big chunk. So they're, they're making their money up. They've also saved money on paying players. They did raise salaries, but I mean, they're saving, um, they're saving millions of dollars on the cutting 40. I think they cut 42 minor league teams. So, I mean, multiply that by, you know, 24, you're doing like a thousand salaries that are cut, which matches the number of draft slots that they reduce. So there's no longer, they're down to 20, uh, what's it, 20 rounds in the draft where it used to be 52, I believe. So 32 rounds, you know, they cut the number of teams and they, they you know, again, that did make sense. They, I don't agree with it, but they cut the number of teams and then they cut the number of entry people in there. But anything that says, any business that says they're trying to grow and cuts the entry point down is, that is the most, that's the dead opposite of how you grow a business is by cutting your entry entry point down. And that's what they did by eliminating short season uh, class A ball, rookie ball, all that stuff is where these guys went in and learned to play the game. And uh, they reduced 32 rounds of guys that, you know, maybe guys, it takes a little longer for them to develop. Maybe you sign an 18 year old in that 30th round, bring them in, take some time. Yeah, they've, they've cut their legs out from under them. And I just, I don't understand it. It's, it's been my stuck point because anytime I say it doesn't make sense, it makes sense to somebody because they did it. I just can't figure it out yet. Well, so I, I'm fascinated by all of that, Dave, and I just couldn't wait to talk to you about this because it seems to me that one of the concerns is a dilution of talent if we expand to 32 teams because we've got two more rosters to fill up. How do we do that when the minor leagues have been contracted? Well, I don't I don't think you can. I, I think it's a problem, not only the dilution of talent. We're seeing it in the major leagues now. Guys are being pushed up before they're ready. And when you talk to a lot of this, the, the scouts that come on our network on some of the other shows and, and myself included that instructional league, that rookie league, that, um, that, you know, the, the June through, uh, September league that these guys come in that short season to just learn the game, learn the program. It's invaluable. It gives you the foundation of your house to, to really grow and take all that instruction. But these guys now are being thrown right to the wolves and they're not ready and they're not being taught and, and instructed how they used to be. And, you know, uh, we see it in the major league level where they've expanded rosters. But how on earth do we have so many games where there's position players pitching when you have so many pitchers on a roster? So um, I, I I don't know if they can see the forest through the trees on this, but I, I don't see a solution other than can maybe adding back some of those minor league teams or adding back just instructional league for these guys when they're drafted and then going back to a larger draft or, you know, this used to be popular back when, when I came out of college way, way back when, but um, you know, they had the independent leagues that were not affiliated with major league baseball, but were professional baseball and certain clubs kind of grabbed from them kind of like they do the, the, uh, the winter leagues and the Caribbean leagues that they have over there. It was just in the States and those were great learning grounds. I took, I took full advantage of those. I mean, I played in, in a couple of those leagues from time to time um, as I was bouncing from teams because it was pro baseball. I mean, Ricky Henderson, Daryl Strawberry. I mean, 
those type of guys played in those leagues when they were trying to make comebacks and whatnot. And, uh, you know, and we've seen a lot of guys come from the independent leagues to professional or to uh, an affiliated team. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, cost effective solutions that they could go to. I haven't seen any budge on. I think they're going to try to do more with less. Interesting. Well, it looks like they have some options to consider. That's certainly seems like a good idea to either add back minor league teams or just enhance these independent leagues or the winter ball games. Yeah, it's there, there's talent out there. We just have to. It's a lot like our society today. Everybody's in such a there's such an inertia for immediate success that we forget the importance of development and Major League Baseball. All the things that I mentioned, I didn't create. I didn't make up. It wasn't like I had these this, this wonderful idea. It's all stuff they've done in the past, and it's all stuff they've had success with. And why they're you know cutting their nose off despite their face to save a couple dollars here and there. Uh, to me, they could be cutting our next great superstar. And I mean, if I, I know this one gets overused quite a bit, but well, you mentioned Don Mattingly. Mattingly was a mid-round draft choice. Uh, Mike Piazza was the last round. He was selected in the last round by the Dodgers. So we, we're going to miss some guys that just maybe weren't fully developed at 18, 20, even 22 that just needed some seasoning. That's, that's where they're going to lose their money on their next superstar. Could you imagine baseball without Mike Piazza? Well, that is such a good point. And it also makes me think of pitchers and how there's so much emphasis on velocity now. And the greatest pitchers we've known didn't throw 100 miles an hour. They were beautiful, wily artists. And think about all of the Tom Seavers that we may have missed because people were looking for velocity. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, Another counterintuitive, I don't want to take us too far off course, but another counterintuitive business decision that Major League Baseball made was everybody has fallen in love with the pitch clock because it sped the game up. And But they missed the big picture where with these pitchers being asked to throw max velocity as their judgment, they, don't have an, they haven't been trained enough to deal with that recovery time, that, that short time or that shortened time where they're getting back on the mound and they're throwing max velocity again. That's counterintuitive to um, what we're wanting pitchers to ultimately do. And that's, I guess they only throw four and a third anyway, but still we've seen Tommy John injuries raise. And I think we're going to see it continue to raise with the, with that legislation without really a, a progressive solution. It's kind of just like the minor league system we're talking about. They cut the minors, they cut the draft and they're, they're, they're in, in amazement as to why the, you know, the, the talent looks so diluted where, I mean, you, you stated it very clearly why it's diluted right now. It's, you know, we, uh, we're, we're not inviting it into the house to play. Well, it is interesting to balance the excitement of adding two new teams. And I do think it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's new. It's a shiny new object to balance that excitement with kind of the reality of, all right, well, who's going to play and how are they going to play? Yeah, I do like the Nashville. I don't think Oakland will add another team. Um, I think as you, you you made a good point in our back and forth where San Francisco now just grew its market a little bit, even though Oakland was not, you know, they were dismal in their attendance. But I think San Francisco has a great opportunity, uh, you know, to jump on that Oakland market and bring it over to, to their fan base. Dave, I learned the most interesting tidbit about the San Francisco Giants and these 
territorial rights they have to Santa Clara County. I don't know if this is something you're familiar with. No, I wasn't. I, I learned it from you. Um, I, I learned to read your, 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 your stuff to me. So yeah, share with our audience. Sure. And I just dropped a vid on this today. Well, I filmed it today and I'll drop it probably tomorrow or the next day. So you can learn about it in a minute on three inning fan on X or Instagram. But if you want to learn about it in an hour here, you can do that. Um, so the Giants are sitting pretty. The Oakland A's are leaving. And so the Giants are one horse in a two horse town over there. And so when I was looking at possible cities for expansion, one of the names that came up was San Jose. And then I learned that San Jose has a bit of a roadblock if they would like to make a pitch for an expansion team. And that roadblock is that the Giants have territorial rights to San Francisco, I'm sorry, to Santa Clara County, which includes San Jose. There was a funky story behind it. Um, in 1990, I guess the Giants were looking to leave freezy, chilly, windswept Candlestick Park. I never saw a game at Candlestick Park. Maybe you did. I heard people who've been there have told me they've never been colder. Did you ever see a game there? I, I haven't. I, I've been there, but I've never seen a game out there. I guess it was brutal. So in 1990, the Giants owner, Bob Lurie, was actually looking at moving the team to Florida. And the A's owner, Walter Haas, didn't want him to go. And so Haas granted for free, granted the Giants owner, Bob Lurie, territorial rights to Santa Clara County so he could pursue a ballot measure for a ballpark in San Jose. And the MLB owners approved this granting of rights, but it was done with the, you know, the blessing of Walter Haas, the A's owner. So the measure to build the ballpark in San Jose was rejected, as was the move to Florida. But the Giants stayed in San Francisco and retained those territorial rights to this day. And so a team cannot go to San, San Jose without the Giants revoking those territorial rights. And in June of last year, the mayor of San Jose wrote to Commissioner Manfred and asked him about opening a dialogue with the Giants on this issue so that San Jose could be considered for an expansion team. What, what's your prediction on that? Well, I don't think that the Giants would let that go for nothing. It's amazing because they got it for nothing. They got it from the A's owner for free. Um, but, you know, like anything else, it's got a price tag on it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think they'll let it go for free either. I think they'll they'll charge a pretty penny. And, you know, that's, that's a them problem that they got it for free. That was a shrewd business on their part. Do you think, um, I know you had mentioned Portland as a possibility for another expansion. Do you think Seattle can or will impose a similar restriction on them or is that not in place out there? I don't think there's anything in place, but I do think that Portland is just kind of Mariners territory. Yeah. And I've read, I don't know the specific numbers on this, so don't hold me to it. I've read that generally Portland is experiencing a little bit of a population decline, yeah. but they are a very well organized effort. 
It's called the Portland Diamond Project, and it was founded by Craig Cheek, who's a retired VP of Nike, and Mike Barrett, who's a former broadcaster for the Portland Trailblazers. So they've been working for years to try to present a proposal to MLB. Um, they're organized, but I don't think they're going to get the ring because I think it's Mariners territory. Yeah, they have to be strategic, I think, you know, to where they put them. Because they want, you know, if you're going to build a franchise, you want it to be popular and you don't want to, to feed off each other. I always thought, and I don't know if this would work or not, but, you know, a place like Raleigh-Durham is growing. That would be a, a, a decent because they've had my, they've had successful minor league baseball there. And I'd love to see them put a major league franchise into one of those big pockets that they took minor league baseball from. Um, San Antonio was another one I thought could be a good, even though Texas is Texas is a big state, but they certainly support their NBA out there. So that was that was one of my other thoughts. San Antonio always pops up in the conversation when we're looking at expansion teams. Raleigh definitely has popped up. In fact, Charlotte and Raleigh have both popped up in conversation. I don't think either one of them is going to be a winner. I think Nashville is definitely in. And so I think Charlotte is just kind of too close to Nashville, and it's also Braves country. Raleigh is kind of interesting. It is, you're right, it's a huge market, but it's also a little close to Nashville. The owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, whose name is Tom Dundon, has expressed an interest in having an MLB team. But at this point, I don't know how organized the effort is, uh, but it's always good to have a billionaire um, who wants something because money talks. Yeah, no, it is. And it's like a toy for them. My, my personal choice would be to bring baseball back to Montreal. Oh, that's the sentimental choice. Yep. You're, you're a sentimental guy, Dave. I didn't know that. Well, they, you know, they had success there. A lot, you, you could trace a lot of baseball history through Montreal. And, you know, it's right below us. The other one is Mexico City. Um, you know, we've been doing sports abroad, whether it's NFL football, NBA basketball. And there's a in Major League Baseball, the Latin population is, is large. We can just leave it at that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why we haven't taken a look as, a, as an, uh, an industry to Mexico City. I'm so glad you said that about the history of baseball in Montreal. I believe that that's where Jackie Robinson played. Didn't he play for the Montreal Dodgers, the Dodgers affiliate up there? Yeah, they sent him up there initially uh, to play, uh, again, to just get him used to Major League Baseball, but also to kind of slowly uh, immerse him in with, with the racial issues that we had in, in the country at that time, and specifically in baseball. That was a smoother assimilation in both regards. But yeah, he started up there in Quebec, I believe. Good call on that. And that is, um, hey, it's a great city. But I think that the risk in Montreal is that if it doesn't work, it's going to look like MLB made the same mistake twice. And it's probably a little unfair because I sometimes feel like if it weren't for the strike year in 94, we'd still be watching the Expos. Yeah, you're probably right. And, you know, they're not afraid to make mistakes in Florida. They, you know, we, we have the two Florida franchises who are, they're phenomenal. They're, they're fun to watch the Marlins and, and the Rays. And from an attendance standpoint, they don't break the bank and, and they're, they're two of the lowest attendant markets in major league baseball. They're not that far apart in terms of geography, but you know, we, we, we did, uh, we did move Montreal for one of them, I believe. 
I can't remember which one, but it's, uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see him do that. Mexico City was fun. I didn't think about that. That guy brought up to me the other day and they played regular season games there. Uh, you know, it's, it is, you know, you got San Francisco, you got San Diego on the West Coast, but, you know, they, they, uh, I guess you got to think critically why it's not a, a fit. Um, I'm not, sh- I'm not real sure. I'd love to hear our audience kind of click on that other than maybe there's climate related issues, elevation and location are, are, are a little, uh, subject. It's, it's, it's got a higher elevation than Denver. Yes. So it's higher than Denver. So you're definitely looking at a stadium that has some thin air and is also going to be pretty hot. And I read, I didn't do the, uh, the flight path myself. So I'm just going to hope what I read was correct that the nearest MLB ballpark is in Houston and that's a two hour flight. So it's a, there are some obstacles, just pragmatic obstacles to Mexico city, but boy, would it be neat to have a team there? Oh yeah. So I, so we'll, we'll, we'll embrace Nashville. I think that's a wonderful choice. I think it makes sense in a lot of, a lot of regards. Hopefully they do something if they're going to expand teams that they do something to expand the talent, uh, the entry point for the talent. And then that way we're, you know, we, we let Nashville have a, an opportunity or that they're going to pull from teams, right? They're going to do an expansion draft. They're going to take talent from other teams. So we just want to see good baseball, uh, but Nashville is certainly a great city uh, to do that. What are we missing in the main segment? Did we, did we get everything? No, we didn't. We didn't get who I think our second winner is going to be. Oh, well, who do you think? I have a bold prediction, Dave. Are you ready? Yeah. Salt yep. Lake city. Salt Lake city is my yeah. prediction. I like them. They hosted the Olympics at one time, so they're, they've they've done they've done it twice, right, with the Olympics. Have they? I believe so. Yeah. Well, uh, the uh, line of reasoning that led me to them was actually not glamorous. It was a little bit more of a process of elimination. They're a little bit of a newcomer to the expansion discussion, but they've catapulted ahead because they check off a lot of boxes. If we get a team in Nashville, which everyone thinks we're going to get, I think MLB is going to want to balance that with a team out West, either in the mountain or Pacific time zone. And like we said, Portland is Mariners country. San Jose has got some hair on it because of the Giants issue. And you've got this well-funded effort out in Salt Lake City. The group behind it is led by Gail Miller, who's the widow of the Utah jazz owner, Larry Miller. She announced the formation, or they announced the formation of this Big League Utah, which is their group of investors uh, looking for an expansion team in Salt Lake City. I believe that they have the support of the state and local officials, and I'm going to include Governor Spencer Cox in there. And the reason why I'm I'm including him is because I did a video naming Salt Lake City as my choice along with Nashville and Governor Cox retweeted my video. So I was kind of excited about that. And it seemed like uh, he was excited about it too and retweeting it. So they've got a, um, a well-organized effort that a little bit came out of the blue. They also have um a Delta hub. They have the largest Delta hub in Western U.S. And I think that getting to games for teams and fans is an important factor. They have a strong economy. They have a good and growing and young population. I think they've got some potential. 
Yeah, no, they, they, they also are an area if they're, they are growing, as you mentioned, but they're listed. I think it's a, uh, it's a called Thrillist is a, it's a, it, they rank them as, uh, they, they're at the top with prime real estate. So if they do build a franchise there, obviously with that comes community, other businesses feeding off that. So that would be great for them. And they are, obviously it's a beautiful country, I think. Uh, and the one thing I looked up there ranked the fourth most beautiful city and I didn't check the criteria, but I have been there. It's gorgeous there. I would like to see them if they do, if they do build one there, which I think I'm, I'm with you on that. You convinced me Nashville and Salt Lake would be perfect. Um, Colorado would be their closest travel partner, I would think, um, to, to play. But I'd like to see them build a, a potential retractable roof on that dome just because of the, uh, the probably the, the, the colder weather they're going to get early in the season and maybe late in the season, like almost like Minnesota. And I think it gets hot there, too. So yeah. Uh, the roof is a good idea. Yep. So I've let them find the money out. I'm just throwing out suggestions. I don't have, I don't have any answers for the budget. I did have for minor league baseball, but not the budget in that regard. Well, we don't have to pay for it, Dave. Yeah. We just toss out unsanctioned ideas. Right. Let them, let them figure it out. I'm not, our, our podcast is notorious for that, but, uh, we do offer some good solutions. No, I like that. Those are two good choices. I'm in, I'm behind that 110% if, for whatever that's worth here. So we, uh, we have an interesting, I do have, you had asked me if I have somebody to talk about, um, you know, what they eat during the games, our final segment here. And I was able to, if we're ready to get there, I, I was able to, to coax one of our, our newest hosts on the show called The Sauce, um, Tanner, my, our second oldest son. We started him on the podcast because I just got tired of listening to him in the car to be honest, uh, talk about college football. So we tried it out with a show called The Sauce. Uh, it caught well. Uh, he jumped right up at the, toward the top of our new listeners list in his first two shows. So I asked him today if he was not too big yet to to, to appear on, um, you know, date in October with KFT to share. Because tonight is the college football rankings. The selection committee comes out with their, it's going to be the most controversial one. So he's already putting his menu together. So I figured I'd, I'd bring him on to share and cross-promote the shows. That's great. Tanner clearly has a very full dance card, so I'm kind of excited that he made time for us. Hey, Tanner, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on. How's uh, the sauce going? I like that name. I think it's going pretty good. I, I enjoy doing it, and I'm having fun. Well, I, I also like it because it's a food name. So are you? do you like to eat some good food? Yeah, I think tonight I'm going to have a sandwich with a side of chips and I might throw on a blackout coffee. That's awesome. So are you the coffee drinker that your dad is? Not usually, but got to make exceptions. Right, yeah. I put enough cream and sugar in it and it'll taste like a milkshake. I tell him black, black's the only way to drink it if it's any good. <laughs> and so Tanner, tell me what kind of sandwich you're going to put together for tonight. Probably with some cold cuts, probably some ham, turkey, and cheese. Oh, that's nice. And um, are you a mayo guy, a mustard guy? Uh, mayo, usually. Mayo. And what kind of bread? White. White bread. All right. I like it. You I feel like you're like the laws of posing a witness, right? That's how uh, I laugh on the show because he, was, he won't shut up and he won't let me jump in. Um but I tease the, I have, we have college coaches that want to talk to him on the phone. And I joke with him. I said, now when you get him, when he's, when he's allowed to dictate the topic, he won't stop talking. But when you start asking him questions, 
it's like in your world, it's like you're deposing a witness on the stand. So I give you permission to be hostile if you'd like to right now. To get- <laughs> a good witness knows there are three answers. Yes, no, and I don't recall. All right. So he's so, not allowed to give those on here. But, uh, but Tanner, now you mentioned chips and I got to ask, do the chips ever migrate over onto the sandwich, like actually between the bread? Uh, no, they never do. No. Have you ever tried that? I have. Uh, not for me. Not your cup of tea. I, I do that, Dave. How about you? You ever put your chips right there on your sandwich? I've yeah, I've done that before. That's my my wife is notorious for that. She's she piles them on the chips, and I would say our youngest daughter kind of imitates my wife's eating, and Tanner's more like mine. I we uh. If you ever seen the the show Monk, where it's the obsessive compulsive detective, where he none of our food touches, it's kind of separated. I don't know if that's by design or not, but uh, I, I should say Tanner's like that, and our youngest daughter Harper's like that. Peyton and, and her older son uh, Blue are more like my wife, where they just they pile it on. I figure it's all going down the same place, so um, they, they're not so concerned with it. But yeah, that's that's kind of for our therapist to show, sort out, right? I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have a therapist. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> Well, you can't see my face, but I'm laughing because that was um, that was pretty funny. Yeah. So, yeah, we keep it simple. We've got the selection show on tonight. We'll use that to kind of lead into our show. He does his show on Fridays and uh, right after Wiley and Will. And uh, keep it simple. Sandwiches and chips and and he's not touching the coffee, though. That's all me. I don't share my coffee, especially with the, the youngins. They shouldn't be drinking that stuff right now. But um they certainly have their electrolyte drinks and their water and their iced teas and their lemonade. So I'm sure they'll, they'll dive into that, but I, I count my coffee. I know how much is in there. <laughs> Tanner, I'm so excited that you could join us and I'll have to listen to the sauce sometime. Uh, you should. It's, I, I enjoy it. And I think I we're doing a good job with it. And is it all about college football? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. That's awesome. All right. Well, I will uh, have to give it a listen. Maybe I can learn a thing or two. We've, he battles the, the pundits all the time, Paul Feinbaum and, and whatnot. And we've, we've been getting a request about college sports. So I tossed it at him just as a trial. And I figured, hey, if it, if it, if it doesn't go well, I can just archive it. But if it goes well, let's put it out there. And he's been on, I think I've had him on twice before. We did one, an impromptu, where we talked about his homeschool and his learning. And um, I think you may have heard that one way back when. Oh, yeah, that was a great app. And then uh, the sauce, he's just like everybody else. He's got to prepare the show. He sends me notes. And my job is just to prompt with it. But we've got, we, we had a, a big push by our college uh, coaching audience that listens. And, you know, we don't cover college sports in that capacity. It's not, but uh, I figured let's give that a shot with college football because we have talked about it on some of our other shows. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into college basketball next with him and then college baseball. So we'll give, we'll give college sports a, a platform here with at least one show um, a week for that particular audience. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, just like we, we look, we always, we just, our audience knows, we always judge new listeners to the show. And, and uh, it was neat. We, we, we hit on a new demographic with, with his show. So hopefully those listeners will trickle over into some of our other shows as well. I wouldn't be surprised. That sounds great. So hopefully we'll be, we'll be pop. I guess we'll be popular now with the teenage crowd. I don't know if that's to my liking or not, but um, we'll we'll uh, we'll sift them out just like they did the minor league system with Major League Baseball. We may have to cut a few listeners 
in the it's teenage a whole new demographic, Dave. Nothing can stop us now. Yeah. So, um, how do you want to leave the audience today? I know Tanner. Obviously, his uh, his his food wasn't super exciting. It doesn't hit our normal uh, elaborate standards, but the simple cold cut combo like Happy Gilmore and and uh, chips and his apparently stealing my coffee. So I have to keep an eye on that. How do you want to leave the audience? Where do we want to go? Lead them into next week, I say, or into your uh, your your shorts that you you put on Twitter. Yeah, and I would just like to say, um, in defense of Tanner's dinner, I've always thought that a good sandwich is a work of art. So um, I thought that sounded delicious. But yeah, coming up, we have a um, I have a video dropping this week on three inning fan on X and Instagram about the territorial rights of the giants. And then I'm heading down to baseball's winter meetings where I will be speaking on a panel sponsored by sports management worldwide, where we're going to discuss expansion. Oh, great. Well, this was like a little warm up for, for that as well. And we wish you luck down there. You're going to do great. And We'll make sure we promote that on our social media so people come there. We don't want fans bothering. Are you are you handing out autographs? How are you going to handle that? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to um, get a bouncer or something because I know so many people are going to want my autograph, Dave. So many. Yeah, we'll see. You'll be surprised. <clears throat> we have a lot of people that are going down there from our audience. So um, you have to, if they do meet you, get a little uh, cell phone chat with them. Send it to me on email. We'll, we'll post it as a short during the winter meetings. Well, we have a few of our audience members doing that for us. So, um, we told them we'd get them engaged with the show a little bit. So we got an excited audience. So, um, I told the audience don't harass our people down there kind of silly, but, um, you, you know, you being the lone female in our network, you're, you're much easier to identify. So, um, do, do or I know you'll do great down there, but, uh, see, you have to give me a visual of what our audience is, is like once you see them. Oh yeah! If anyone's listening, who's going to be down there, definitely look for me. I'm a five foot one inch um, brunette, and there probably won't be a lot of people who look like me down there. So, come and say hello. Yeah, it should it should be a good a good time down there. And if audience members do reach out, um, I will uh, Kelly. I'll let you know, and that way you can kind of keep an eye out for them as well. Would and love that. It's a great. We have a great group. I mean, our audience is is very intelligent. Um, very engaged, very supportive of what we do and very professional. So it's, uh, I kind of joke with it, but they're, they're, they're all about the base, the business of baseball and the baseball business. They just want to see the game grow and they want to see good people, uh, move the game and they like what we're doing. So I think they'd be excited to meet you. And, 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 um, I'm thinking it would be kind of cool now that, you know, you've hit the, hit the big time here with, with the, the spotlight and with your own podcast, that it'd be exciting to have your own fan base. So. Uh, thanks, Dave. Yep. So with that, uh, the sauce, thanks for joining the show. I mean, you were, I, I uh, enjoyed hearing about your sandwich and appreciate the up the, the warning of the coffee. Thanks for joining the show today. Blackout Coffee, thanks so much for your friendship. Uh, 20% off at checkout. Use the code David, capital letters, number 20. Through the week, at the end of the week, we have a, we're moving forward with the partnership. So I'll announce that at the end of the week. Uh, to to really reward our podcast hosts here like like KFT. And then to our 60,000, give this five stars, write some great comments underneath, and that way we can battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in Major League Baseball. And do not forget that stocking stuffer. Great friend of the show, great friend of mine, Ted Kubiak, former shortstop, 10-year Major League veteran, three-time World Series champion. 
72, 73, 74. He gets mad at me that I didn't watch it, but I was not born yet. And then I was zero at 73 and in 74, I was one. So I have very little recollection of that time. So, um, but buy his book old school, tremendous read. I've read it several times. It's his view on the evolution of America's pastime. And then his book on fielding, how to field a ground ball coming out with his children's book, uh, hopefully around Christmas time. So we can promote it on the show and we will have him as soon as it's out. He'll, he'll do that. But to that, uh, to all those friends, thank you. And Kelly, thanks for a great show again today. It was really fun, Dave. Thank you.